to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. So we're going to start in, in Philippians, in first chapter, verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, and the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge, in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things that hap- which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even by envy and strife and some also above from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know what will turn that this will turn out for my deliverance through our, your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectations and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me his life is for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from, from my labor, yet I will choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may, may, may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit and with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now in here, here is in me. So that is the first chapter, basically. And obviously, as Paul is writing this this letter to this church, um, 
when he originally wrote this letter, obviously there's not breakdowns. There's it in verses. He didn't write it and write number one. You know, Paul, an apostle. He didn't, he didn't do that. Later on, we have come across and and we have added in the verse numbers so that it's easier for us as students of the Bible to be able to go find the verse that we're looking for. You know, but this is a letter that he has written to this church. As we've talked over the last couple of weeks, also, this, we know that this is a church that he greatly loves. This is a church that he cares for. This is a church that he started, that he just he looks at with affections, as we read last week over those those ten verses. Just again, it's almost like a love letter to this church, guys. I I love you so much. There's there's no problems within your church. I mean, this is like the model church for me to have to go and and talk to. I'm not correcting anything. I'm not getting in arguments with anybody. I mean, I'm just getting to come in here and it's just a big love fest. I love this church. And as he continues on, he knows that they are, they're concerned about the welfare of Paul. They, they know the accounts of what's going on. They, they followed him as we've talked in the last couple of weeks. They've, they've, they've sent money to him to help provide for him. I mean, they are a part of his ministry. As much as they can be with, with Paul being out in all different places, they are, they are actively involved in Paul's life. Whether it be through financial, whether it be through the prayers that they're lifting up for him and that he is mentioning that, and, and always in prayer, I'm for you guys. I'm, I'm just lifting you up all the time. I mean, these are, these are a group of people that are just, are just bonded. And we talked about last week too that, that somehow, some way that there's a, that the, the fellowship among believers is just different. Is it not? I mean, yes, we have friends that are not Christians, but, but when you have that friend that's a Christian and you, you get together, it's just a, it's automatically, it's just a little bit deeper. I mean, you're on the same wavelength as far as what your conversation is and, and it's, hey man, what's going on with the Lord? I texted a guy last night as I was studying and he's, we're going to a wedding next weekend and, and he's getting married and, and I'm just excited for Joey. And I was like, hey man, just tell me, is there something that I can pray for you this week? It was just on my heart, man. I just I want I want to know what is it something that I can pray for. Now I have to admit, my my nephew got married last in in November. Um, he's family. I'm not sure where he stands in his relationship. I didn't text him, hey Hunter, you know, is there something I can pray for you this week? Why it's just a different relationship. I, I love Hunter. We talked about that last week. If family is, I mean, family is family. I mean, Hunter needs anything. I'm I'm there. You know, I'm, what, what, what do we got to do, man? You're, you're, you're my nephew. I love you. Well, let's go do it. With Joey last night, and he was just being open and honest, and he was talking about, man, <laughs> I, I just don't, I don't feel worthy to lead my wife, and I'm not sure that I'm, I'm good enough for her. I mean, that's touching, is it not? If you're ever around guys, I mean, guys don't really open up like that, right? I mean, you guys don't just typically just, hey, man, I'm going to open up my heart here for you and just, bam. I mean, we're just too prideful, too dumb. I don't know. You mean filling in whatever you want. But they're just guys, though. We keep it here. There's a wall between our emotions and the world. And I texted him back and said, Joey, man, that's that's the beginning of it right there. Just being humble and sharing that, hey, you know what? I'll be honest. I I don't feel qualified Sometimes too. I mean, to lead my wife and my kids. I mean, who who am I? I but it's the humbleness that God wants, and and to stay humble like that, and continue to pour into your wife, and to love her, and to cherish her. I mean, that's that's how you do it. That's how you become the husband that she desires and that she needs. 
As Paul continues on in this letter, as he's talking to them, he's, he knows that they're concerned about them, and he knows that, that, that they know that he's in jail. I mean, he's tied, he's chained next to a, a Roman guard, and, and whatever Paul does, the Roman guard is there. I mean, Paul goes to eat, Roman guard's there. Paul has somebody come in and talk to him, Roman guard is there. Paul goes to the bathroom, Roman guard's there. I mean, wherever Paul goes, he's not in the, the prison, he was able to rent a little space out, but... He still has a Roman guard wherever and whatever that he does. And they kind of know of the situation. They know that he's coming up for to be judged again and, and or for the first time and, and to find out whether he gets to live or die. And there's some uncertainty. There's uncertainty when you go to court. You may feel like you're going to win, but you don't know until you get there. Why? Because the judge is the one ultimately that makes the decision. You have no You have no control over it. So he might walk in there and go, yeah, I really feel comfortable and confident in, in what I'm doing here, but I don't know because Caesar can make a decision here that that doesn't favor me. So he says to them in verse 12, he says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest of my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident in my chains. And are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And but here is, is the furtherance of the gospel. And so Paul sits there and says, look, I, I want you guys to know, man, it, it's fine. It's, it's all good. Why? Because listen, the furtherance here, man, I'm able to continue to preach the gospel in an area that's never been taught to before. I'm in, I'm in the hub of the world right now. I'm in Rome. And man, I've got all these different kind of people that have never heard the whole truth about the relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes, so actually there's a, there's a progress. There's an advancement of the gospel. Well, why is that? He says, well, it's because I'm not worried about my condition. I don't really care. He goes, but can you imagine being the guard next to Paul? You know, I mean, you, can you imagine those conversations with the guards are like, oh my gosh. Please no, and another eight hours with Paul. Are you serious? I gotta, I gotta be chained with that guy for eight. Oh, please, give me anything else. Give me the lions. I'll go clean the lions' den out or something. I mean, I don't want to be with Paul for eight hours. And Paul says, "Man, it is awesome, dude. I've got, I've got all the Roman. They're all with me. They're just whatever I do. Somebody comes in and they're talking to me." We're just sharing about Jesus and the Lord and what's going on. Man, if I go to pray, I sit there, I pray. The woman guards right next to me, I'm like, hey man, do you need something to pray about? I'm praying for him and his family. We go to eat, I, I give my thanks to the Lord for the food. I'm studying the scriptures. And that guy's next to me, I'm like, hey man, did you ever see this? And Have you ever seen the scriptures? Hey, look what it says here. He's just pouring into this this Roman guard. Can you imagine that? And as Paul's just being used, he continues to pour into this guy, and then the next one comes in, and then the next one comes in. And then he's got people that are coming in from all the different areas in Rome, and they're talking to him, and man, it's just he's just a hub, and he's just spreading the gospel where he's at. And so many times, we in our own lives, we sit there and we're like, oh man, I'm stuck in this dead-end job, and who, what am I doing here, and what can I do? Well, you can do that. You can do just like Paul did, and you can sit there and, and just pour into those co-workers that are around you. I used to go to the tag, I still go, I get a tag office all the time. But there was a girl that was working there at the time, she's not working there anymore. She would literally, behind, you could see where the, the offices were, where they would go on their break, and she would sit there, sit down, plop open, open her Bible. And she's just doing her Bible study. Now I noticed it, and I guarantee you, everybody that worked with her noticed it. 
she wasn't hiding it. She wasn't yelling at people with it, thumping them with the Bible and, and correcting them and all that kind of, don't be a jerk for Jesus. I've said that before too. But listen, she was just sitting there being mindful. Man, you can't tell me I can't open my Bible. I'm just reading the book. And she would sit there and do her devotions. How awesome is that? So she took an opportunity where here she is sitting with the Roman guard and she could sit there and be quiet or she could be frustrated where she's at. Instead, she turns it around and she just continues to to witness to those that are around her. And the same thing goes for us in the position that we're at. Whether it be with your family, whether it be with your work, whether it be with the grocery store, whether it be Memorial Day parade tomorrow. I mean, wherever that you're at, you have this opportunity and this gift and this blessing to have a, a chance to just share Jesus where you're at. And Paul says, look, man, but I want you to know, don't worry about me. Listen, this is actually the furtherance of the God. This has helped the gospel. I mean, what they think that they've done, if they've imprisoned me, man, that just lit a fire. They just lit a fire. Everything just took off. And his chains are in Christ. And he says, look, they think that they've chained me here for, for Caesar. That, like he's the one to arrest me. No, no, no. He didn't arrest me. God allowed this to happen. God allowed them to put me in chains so that I would have an opportunity to share the gospel with whoever that comes in the door. And again, the same thing comes with us. Sometimes we feel like I'm being constrained or I'm being held back or I'm being pulled back from whatever. But guess what? Maybe it's the Lord is one that has held you back and pulled you back. Maybe you think, well, I could do this instead. Well, maybe God has said, no, I don't want you to do that. I'm the one who's put those chains on you. I'm the one who's held you back. It reminds me of a story of Joseph. You know, we all talked about Joseph in the in, in Genesis. I think we talked. We did a, a three part series on him last year, the year before. I can't remember when I did it. <clears throat> all kind of tying together at this point in my life. But um, so, but you guys remember Joseph? I mean, just an, an amazing young man. I mean, he has he has a dream. He has a vision. You know, he makes the mistake by telling his family that vision. You know, so his brothers get all riled up and they nearly kill him. And they said, well, let's not kill him. Instead, let's make some money off him. Let's sell him into slavery. Again, this guy has done nothing wrong. Then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And then he's he's jailed. And then he interprets some dreams and thinks he's going to get out. And then he doesn't. And then he interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And they become second in command of all of Egypt. Now, now Joseph at this point could sit there and go, you know, Lord, what are you doing? God, I, I have honored you. And I have, I have been truthful to what you have told me, and I have not done any, I've not sinned against you. The amazing thing to me is when we did, when I studied that is, I don't see where Joseph is just lashing out at God. I see instead the opposite. Now I believe there were tears. I believe that Joseph, I believe he cried. When he's being toted down to Egypt, when he's sold into, I can guarantee you a 16 year old boy being thrown into some carrying mechanism to go down there I guarantee this 49 year old man would have been crying being sold into slavery by my family they said no we don't don't want you and and actually it's better if I don't kill you because I want to make some money off of you wow and Joseph doesn't lash out at the Lord Joseph doesn't sit there and get mad at God for the things that he's done instead when he's accused by Potiphar's wife he's like no 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 no. look I'm not going to sin against my master and God. How did Joseph have this relationship with the Lord where he knew what was right and wrong? I don't know that. We don't see that part of it. We just know that Joseph had a relationship with God. And I think so many times in our in our own lives, we sit there and we try to, to blame the world or we try to blame God or we just get mad at the surroundings instead of taking and saying, you know what, for the next 16, 18 years of my life with Joseph, 
I've I've done nothing wrong and I'm going up on ups and downs and but this is the path that God has placed me on. And this is where I'm going. Well, we know the story, Joseph's dad dies and well now the brothers are really nervous. They're like, Well, you know, maybe he was holding back because dad was alive, but now dad's dead. Uh, Joseph, do you remember you made that uh, promise to Dad? You weren't going to like knock us off. I mean, he's still second in charge of Egypt. He can just he can kill anybody he wants to, other than Pharaoh. And Joseph just looks at him and says, "But, but as for you, you meant evil against me." He doesn't hide the fact of of the truth of what happened there. He doesn't he doesn't lie into the situation. And go, oh, guys, no, it's it's fine. You were just misled. No, I'm telling you right now. I know exactly what you did. You meant it for evil. But you know what? I'm more honorable than you. And when I look at my life, I know that, but God meant it for good. God allowed it to happen within my life. Why did it happen? In order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people's lives. So maybe the struggles that you're going through, maybe the problems that you're going through in your life are are not caused only by the world. Maybe those struggles and those problems that you're going through have been allowed by, and I'm sure they are, by God. Why? Because God says, I've got a plan for you. And so many times we look at this plan and we we quote the verse, oh, he's got a plan for my life. Plans to prosper. Plans to do great. Really? I mean, there are Christians in Africa and in India and in Pakistan and in China that have absolutely nothing. That are beaten. That are that are just on, on, on a way to be able to be dead are those plans to prosper? No, again, Christian, my life is not mine. My, my life's goal is to honor and to just give everything back to God. If He desires to give me wealth, that's great, whatever. But on this planet, I, I've not been promised that. I've promised to be a willing sacrifice to God to whatever that He desires. And if that means that I'm going to be punished and persecuted then guess what? Praise the Lord. Paul's sitting here in a jail and he's chained to a, 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 jail, a Roman guard and he's, he's not looking at those things and saying, man, I can't believe it. The Lord has placed me here and he's done this thing. Well, he can't do that, especially not when he's writing to the Philippians. Because again, he knows how it all started. He remembers that when he went to that city, he was thrown in jail. You guys remember the story we talked about a couple weeks ago. And at that moment, that's when the earthquake happened, when he was jailed, and the, the guard's about to kill him himself. He says, don't do that. You remember that story? Well, that guy got saved because he and they're in there singing praise and worship songs. We're, we're in jail. We're chained. You know, it's awesome. Praise Jesus. Woo! Have a party. You know, they're partying in jail. Paul says, man, it's for the furtherance of the gospel that I'm here. I'm not chained by Caesar. I'm not chained by any man. It's all about the perspectives in life. It's all about our perspectives in life. Have you allowed the enemy to come in and and change the perspective in your life to where you're only focused about yourself? That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make it all about Kevin. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Woe is Kevin. Woe is Kevin for this. Woe, Kevin didn't get this. Well, that's not fair. That person got it. Woe is Kevin. Why? Because my perspectives are all upon me at this moment instead of having my perspective on a heavenly body and a God that loves me in, it just immensely. That wants nothing but the best for me. But my perspective has changed and, and the enemy has been successful in that. And you look at Paul's letter here and he says, man, 
And most of the brethren in the Lord would be confident in my chains. The, the other brethren look at me and they've just been fired up. Like, did you see what happened to Paul, man? That dude's in there and he's still praising God. Man, who, who, who can we go praise to? Who can we go witness to? Man, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go down in the square over here. Why don't you guys head up there and do a Bible study up there? They're actually more excited to share the gospel. I mean, so many times something happens like that and we're all like little, like the disciples after Jesus got, you know, pers- uh, crucified, they all, they retreated. Well, not in Rome, man. They, they said, look, Paul's doing this, man. We're, we're heading out. If they're going to do that to Paul, then they're going to have to do the same thing to me. And they just launch out and they're just more confident in their speech and they're more, they're more willing to give more. Why? Because they've got somebody that they're looking at saying, that dude there is a leader. That guy's ready to go. And, and you know what? Paul, it's Paul's ready to do it. He's trained me up. I'm ready to go do it too. But not everybody. We move into verse 15. It says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. And the, the former preach Christ that from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add to my afflictions, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, will rejoice. So while Paul's in jail and, 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 and Paul's doing all these things, we, we, we see that there's two different types of preaching that are going on here. The first kind is, is, is a jealous preaching that's going on. And there's, there's envy, there's, it's ill will, it's, it's jealousy, it's spite. Uh, the second one is strife. I don't know if you say spite like that, but it's spite. Just realize that. Strife is, is a contention, it's, it's a debate. And the point here is it's strange that they're not preaching a different gospel. Do you guys understand that? They're not going out and they're not teaching a false doctrine. It's not like he's looking at it and going, hey, the Jehovah Witnesses are over here. Or hey, the Mormons are out there and they're doing this. No, they're preaching the gospel. Do you understand that? The the two different preaching here, it's the gospels going out. And Paul says, you know, some are doing it out out of spite. Man, they're just trying to add to my afflictions. They see an opportunity where, hey, look, the the rock star Paul here, we have a chance to kind of knock him down a peg or two, and maybe I can take his spot. Maybe everybody will look at Kevin and go, Woo, look at Kevin, look at he's he's the new preacher, man. He's able to do things that even Paul couldn't do. He's just moving it up and he's got a new he's got a new flavor, he's got a new style that he does things. That's what you always hear nowadays. He's got a different style. Can I tell you something? I listen to sermonindex.net on the internet. I listen to all the old preachers. Now look, I love Francis Chan. I love some of the other ones that are out there, okay? Man, there's nothing like Warren Wearsby. There's nothing like Alan Redpath. Paris Reedhead. I mean, these are guys that are just, just stalwarts of the faith that just speak just, just, they didn't have the flash. I've been around flash before. Flash is incredible. Flash is awesome. Sometimes flash is not trustworthy sometimes flash is just flash sometimes it's just a light and then it disappears but I don't hear any problems with Alan Redpath in the life that he lived I don't hear any problems with Parrish Reedhead and these older gentlemen that just loved Jesus loved to preach his word maybe didn't have the flash that some of the others had and Paul maybe some of them are looking at him going man I, I want to move up the the little pastor pole here. You know, the same thing could happen right now with with Dawn out. You know, I, I could sit there and go, well, you know what? If I, 
maybe I can just put him down a little bit at times in, in, in my message, and maybe I could, you know, maybe undercut him here and there, and, and and just and just kind of move him out of the way and just add to his afflictions. You know, he's already feeling bad; he's not here. Well, maybe I just turn the screws on him when he's when I'm on the phone with him. Go, yeah, no, nobody's not even. They don't even ask about you anymore, man. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I could do that. You see how see how quickly that would work as far as being able to just in ill will and in strife, just trying to move up and I just kind of take over and move into this. And hey, now it's Kevin's church, and now well, this is you know really. And so Paul's looking at this and go, there, man, they're just doing it as selfish ambition. They're just trying to add, just adding chain and strife to the chains that I'm already in. And you know what? That's fine. Well, well the second one, well, they do it in love. You know, and some from goodwill, and this goodwill is, is, is good pleasure. And this good pleasure is towards Paul. It's towards Paul. It's, it's the fact that they just, they just love him. And they say, you know what? We're going to come along Paul and, and we're going to just support him. We're bring praying for him. We're going to just provide for some of the stuff that he might need. And then out of love, we're going to just, we're going to build him up and say, out of good pleasure, you guys, you guys know the word that Paul brought to you. And we're just we're just kind of like disciples of his, and and saying that you know what Jesus Christ has got a plan, and they don't care, they don't care where Paul is on the totem pole as far as Christianity, they don't care about any of that stuff, right? Because they know it's it's just Christ and Him crucified, and they just come alongside Paul, and they just they just want to build him up in the ministry of what God's doing there in Rome, and they're just like, hey man, I don't care. Who, who, do you want the credit? Take the credit, Steve. That's great. Hey, can we go out there and just you know and, and do some work for Jesus? And we'll just give the credit to Steve. I, I don't really care who gets the credit. They just they just want to get it done. They just want to love Jesus and love those people that are around them. It doesn't matter to me. And Paul says, I, I, look, I don't care about the motive. I don't care about if people want to tear me down, tear me down. Are you preaching Jesus? Man, go ahead. Praise the Lord. I don't, I don't really care. Why? Because, again, it's not a la Paul. It's not a hallelujah to Paul. It's not, it doesn't matter to me. I just want Jesus preached. And however that somebody wants to do it, they want to underskirt me, they want to add more afflictions to the chains that I'm in because I'm in chains to Christ and to God, not to anybody else, then that's fine. If you're preaching the correct gospel, preach it, and God will deal with your motives. And I've been around, again, being in a ministry for a long time, being in different ministries for a long time, I've seen a little bit of both. I've seen people that have had not good motives with what they were doing. But preach? Man... And preaching and, and, and have a true knowledge of who Jesus is? Yeah. But again, unfortunately, we, sometimes we look at pastors and go, they're perfect. And they're not. They're sinners. And they have sin. And, and maybe in that case, that person's major sin that's within, it's within their life is their own flesh. It's their own desire for their own personal, you know, to get accolades and to get, to, you know, I, I want to rise up ahead, ahead of everybody else so that I get the accolades. Yes, it's about Jesus, but I gave it to you. Paul says, I don't really care who, who gets the credit for it. He's, he just said, look, in all that, you know, I'll, I'll rejoice. I don't, I don't care how you do it. How, are they preaching the gospel? Are people hearing about Jesus Christ that have never heard about Jesus Christ before? Yes. Man, rejoice. Man, guys, guys, be happy about that. And the church is looking at him and go, well, Paul, what, why? Why are we rejoicing that? They're, they're hurting you. Paul says, I, I don't really care. I, I want you guys to rejoice and get your focus off of the, of, the, of the circumstances that you're in, the perspective that you're in. Look, if they're hurting me, don't worry about it. I'll deal with that. 
same thing goes for you guys. It's just, again, it's a perspective on things. Well, I hurt for that person. Well, well, don't. Allow, if you're hurting for me, don't. I, I appreciate it. Pray for me. But if it's because of something good that's happening somewhere else, I use an illustration that Bert and Nancy Wiseman's leaving. Don't, don't hurt for Kevin. They're not undergirding us. They're not even doing it in a spiteful way. We, we're happy. Why? Because we praise Jesus. And it's for him that we're doing this for. It has nothing to do with Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, or Calvary Chapel Christian Fellowship, or, or Faith Baptist, or you fill in the Baptist, whatever you want, or Presbyterian. Or It doesn't, it doesn't matter. What it matters is it's Jesus Christ. Is Christ being preached? Then rejoice. That's what we rejoice in. We rejoice in that his name goes forward, and that his name is glorified through the actions of what we do as individuals. Verse 19 says, For I know this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectations and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, because Paul always had boldness, right? So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And, and this part here says, I know it's, it's a certainty. I mean, it's a certainty that I, the things will turn out to my deliverance. And deliverance here is, in other words, is, is salvation. Okay, so sometimes people will look at this and go, well, the deliverance that he's talking about here is that, oh, he's gonna, he believes that he's gonna get out of jail. Well, not really, because if you look in verse 20, 20 is talking about by life or by death. Okay, so he's, he's not talking about, hey, I'm gonna get out of jail. I'm pretty confident in that. He says that, hey, look, I don't care what happens. My deliverance, my salvation is in who? Is in Jesus Christ. So that it doesn't matter to me whether I'm, I'm here or not. I may go in there and I might die. Guys, this might be the last letter. You might not hear from me again. And But know this, man, my boldness, I have confidence in Jesus Christ. I have confidence to know that, man, if, if today we were to leave and one of us is to leave, is to go to heaven, guess what? My salvation is in Jesus Christ. It's, it's not the fact of I'm going to be delivered by something that's happening here on the world. It's the fact that I have salvation in Jesus. And again, that's the perspective, that's the, the ideas of that. what you go through in life is a friend of mine a long time ago said, you know, in, in the grand scheme of eternity, does it matter? All these things that we sit there and we struggle with and we, we fight over and we have problems with, you know, once you put it in the perspective of in the grand schemes of eternity, does that matter? Does that bill matter? Does that leaky faucet matter? Now, I'm not saying don't fix a leaky faucet. I'm not saying don't pay your bill. But I'm just saying, if you're sitting there and you're stressing over it and you're, you're losing hair, sorry, losing something else out of it, teeth uh, or whatever, if you're losing something, sleep over it. Let's use that. Let's use and sleep over it. Why? In the grand scheme of eternity, does it matter? I mean, sometimes I sit there and I, I worry as well and I have struggles and I don't worry and struggle over the things that I haven't done for Jesus that day though. Well, why is that? Why don't I sit there and go, man, gosh, I missed that opportunity. I can't believe I missed that opportunity to witness that person. Gosh, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because I didn't witness to that person right there. I, I don't, I don't do that typically. Ah, oh, man, Lord, I blew it. Gosh, man, I might be bummed about it, but I sleep. Meanwhile, if something's struggling with going on with my business or with my kids, I'm like. You know, I got the squirrely tummy, bubble guts going on. I can't sleep. I'm not, I'm just, I'm nervous. I'm anxious. And, you know, I mean, it's just the perspectives in life of why? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter. When I'm in heaven, it's going to be like, did you do that? No. 
But man, I witnessed to this person over here, and it was awesome. I can't believe it. They're in heaven now. It's great. It's good stuff. It's actually sin from death, and, and talks about whether in life or in death. Paul was just confident that whatever God decides, that's what's going to happen. It's kind of like Job in, in thirteen fifteen. He says, "Though he slay me, yet I will trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him." And Job, even at that moment, moment is just saying, hey, "Man, I, I don't care what happens. Though, though God were to slay me right now, you know what? That's that's His decision to make, and, and I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm confident with that." I don't want to go. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, I'm selfish. I want everything. I want my kids. I want my grandkids' lives. I mean, I want everything. I mean, I want as much as I possibly can enjoy here, and I want to go enjoy heaven at the same time. So, I mean, I want, like, heaven on earth. I want heaven in heaven. So, I mean, I'm not like, hey, take me out now. I want to go to heaven. I, I enjoy all that stuff. But I'm confident in this, that my salvation is there. Paul's the same thing. He says, look, I don't, I don't care about all that. They want to take credit for that stuff? Let them take care of it. If, if you guys are worried about me, don't, don't worry about my deliverance. I am delivered. My, 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 my home is in heaven. God will be magnified whether whatever happens. Verse 21 says, for, for to me, why is all this thing said? It all boils down to this. It says, for to, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor, yet I will choose, I cannot tell. We're just going to stop there real quick, and it says, it all boils down to this. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul says, it, it, look guys, it's, it's a win-win. I, I, I've I've settled up with God. I have settled up with everything. Remember, he just got he got converted. He was he was just on fire for God, doing everything the wrong way as a Pharisee. Why? Because he just he loved God. He loved everything about God. He knew that he was God. Well, then what happens is Jesus comes into his life and he gives a one eighty turn, and all of a sudden he realizes I still love God, but I know it's through Jesus Christ. And so now he is absolutely free and able to do everything he possibly can with God. Why? Because now he's not living under the law that he was under before as a Pharisee. And now he looks at it and goes, man, I'm a Christian and I am free. I'm free from all that sin. It's been, it's just been lifted off of me. And man, I just, I am so excited and the Holy Spirit's come inside me and I am just ready to preach the gospel. And I am so assured of everything that's going on. For to me, to live is Christ. I don't care. Man, whatever I have to do, wherever he wants me to go, it's Christ. Man, and, and you know what? And to die it is gain. I go heaven. So to hear, I'm, I'm preaching gospel, I am preaching Christ until I go home. doesn't matter to me. Paul says it's a win-win. It doesn't really matter. He says, but, man, if I live on in the flesh, Paul says there will be fruit. I look at his, Paul's a little cocky right here, and he? He's just like, you know what, but man, if God keeps me here and I have to live on in this flesh suit, everything that's going on, guess what? Man, there's going to be fruit. I, I just think that's cocky when I read it like I'm like, did he just say that? I mean, he's just, he's just so confident in the fact of his relationship with God, the walk that he has with God, that he's like, look, I, I know 
There's none of that sin stuff in my life. There's not pride. I don't care who gets the credit for it. There's not a desire for things. There's not a desire for, for, for women. I'm just, I am, I am God. I'm all about God. And I know that that's somebody that God uses. How is that? Well, to be used by God, you need to have a couple things here. You need to have a walk worthy to be used by God. Do you not? I mean, again, and we talk about this several times as far as I can't be heading down to the British pub after church. I can't be doing certain things within my life. Why? Because, well, that's not worthy of a walk of God. I need to have a, a desire to stay on the path that he's called me to and not look to the left and to the right and, 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 and not be out and carousing away from my wife and not, not yelling and beating my kids and not, and not just, just living just, a, just an awful life. That's not something that's worthy of, 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 of a life to be used by God. And God will use those people at times, but that's not to the fullness of what He can do. You also need to be looking for opportunities. To be, to be in a life, to be used by God, you have to be walking that walk, and as you go through your life wherever you're at, you have to be looking for opportunities. You know, the God of winces, or, or wherever that you want to call it. They're not coincidences. I, I, oh, I, just by accident I fell into this person. No, you didn't. It's, it's, it's designed by God for you to have the opportunity to now witness to that person. And then you, you actually do it is the next thing. To, to be used by God and is, is to have a life worthy of it, to be looking for opportunities, and then actually to do it. Again, a lot of times you, you meet a lot of people in life, whether it's in business or whatever, you know, it's the, the shoulda goodas. You know, the salespeople all the time, I would sit there and be around there and they're sitting there just reading all these books of how to, to sell something. You know, and you're like six months later, they haven't done anything. You haven't sold anybody. You haven't talked to anybody. You know, you're like, dude, at some point, you, you know, you got to do that, right? I mean, at some point, you can't only read so much before you actually go and do it. And I think sometimes as Christians, we're all worried that, man, I, I don't have any, every answer to every question. Yeah, you're correct. I, I don't. I'm up here. Okay, so I mean, but it's a point where one thing you've got to do is rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to be like, you know what? You've never had this question before. Here, I'm going to give you download some information to you. And it's not like he just hits a little button, and the computer just downloads in your brain. You're like, bam, there's a verse, and you're like, where'd that verse come from? I, I don't even know if I've read that verse before. And it comes out of your mouth, and the person's like, wow. That's exactly, and, and so it's just God. So you rely on the Holy Spirit. Well, there is some reliance on you. Okay, if I want to have a body of an athlete, I don't just show up because I've got shorts and a and a muscle shirt on, right? Because then you guys would be like, "That is not a body of an athlete," right? So I, yeah, you can laugh; it's fine. So it's it's a point of I, I'm a runner. I don't still don't have a runner's body. I don't. Know, I'm waiting for that to kick in. But so it's a point where you 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 don't just show up for that. Well, you have to in order to have a body of an athlete, you have to work out. You have to use those muscles and exercise it. Well, the same thing goes as a Christian. I have to sit there and I have to be diligent in my studies. I have to be diligent in what I, I enjoy going to the men's study. Why? Because, you know, Steve and Steve, Steve in sometimes when he talks, is um, are, are great because it's iron sharpens iron. You get in there and they're like, hey, this, this verse over here, and hey, this idea over there. And you're like, well, I wasn't thinking about that one. That's pretty cool. And sometimes we'll get on these little rabbit trails and we'll talk about different stuff, and it's just pretty cool. Why? Because it's just, it's just deepening your faith and your understanding of the Word. And it kind of challenges you on different stuff on, on all, and you're like, well, well, no, I don't agree with that one, but let me find out why I don't agree with that. And you might go back and go, no, dude, that guy was completely correct. I was wrong, or vice versa. I mean, you just you have to have you have to have the information to then be able to get out of the boat and go do what God's called you to do. This week, I had a, a couple actually a couple months ago. I have a customer, and she's just um, 
seems very sweet at times, just not living a life of any of nothing good at all. I mean, it's been in jail before, and it seems like she's trying. She's very genuine at times. And um, she left one day, and, and I was like, man, Kim, I, I really felt like my, my sister-in-law, my partner, and I was like, I really felt like I, I need to invite her to church. You know, it's just, I just, it was just on my heart, and just, not everybody, not everybody walks in the door, you're like, hey, you need to go, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just that, that gut feeling that we were talking about last week, you know, and, um, and I just have, haven't seen her, talked to her on the phone a couple times, whatever, taking payments and all, and so she came in yesterday, and, and I see our car pull up, I was talking to somebody else, and she came down the stairs, kind of waited, so I started talking to her, and, and she's pregnant, she has two kids, she hasn't, she's pregnant with another one right now, and, um, and she just was just off a little bit. You know, and she's always very genuine in what she's talking about. And um, so, as we continue to talk, you know, the, the Lord's just stirring something in me to, to continue this. And you know, like, you know, what about you know? Do you read the Bible? Do you go to church at all? And so she's like, you know, I started going to this church, and it's actually one of the churches that Don and I are in with with this group. Okay, so it's Bayshore. And so um, she goes, yeah. And the pastor there, his name, uh, is, I said, is it Tony? And she's like, yeah, it's Tony. I said, well, he's a really good guy. She's like, yeah, he's just really genuine. He's talked to me several times. And, and I said, and he and his wife, she's like, oh, I love his wife. She's just wonderful. And so we're having this conversation. And as I'm pointing her back to God and I'm pointing her to the church that she's going to, it just kind of reversed it there is, Kevin, your job was to pray for her during that time, but then to be open to have this, this conversation with her to confirm the decision that she's made. So again, it, it always it's not like oh I got a I got a, a seat right here for somebody right there I got that person and I got that person in here. It's not about that. Again, it's about God's kingdom. And as I as I reaffirm what she's the decision the, the decision she's made to go into the church that she's at that I know is a safe church a church that's going to love on her and to give her the the needs that she has there. That's awesome. Would I love her to be in our church? I would because I think that we would do the same thing. I think there's women that would come alongside of her and pour into her and love on her as we see several different that come in and out. You know, everybody is not like, oh, you're back. You know, you don't do that. We're just, hey, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? Where have you been at? So the same thing with her is that, again, it's the opportunity. It's, it's living a, a life that somebody would look upon and say, that person is actually doing what they say they're doing. And that's you, Christian. Are you walking that walk? And then are you, are you looking for those opportunities? And as they come into your life, or then you, are you praying about them and, and, and seeing what the Lord would do? And then are you willing to then take the step and ask the question, how are you doing? Do you have a relationship with God? What do you think about God? Are you going to church right now? No, I, I don't go to church. I mean, typically, people will not blast you out of the boat if you're asking a genuine question if they know who you are. I mean, there's people in my neighborhood that may not believe in Christ, may not believe in God, but they see the character that I have, and they're not going to blow me out of the, the, the street because I mentioned something about God to them. Why? They're at least going to have respect for you. And so, again, you're, it's not like you're, I'm walking up to a, a, a complete madman, you know, sitting outside 7-Eleven, and he's just going to just go crazy and nuts on me. No, it's not that. I mean, again, God could call you to do that. I'm not, again, I'm all about whatever the Lord calls you to do. But it's a point of, are you willing to get out of the boat? Really willing to talk to that person, whoever that it is. He says in verse 22, But I, I live on in the flesh. This will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. Paul is having a hard time here. I, I don't know what to do. Verse 23 says, For I am hard-pressed between the two. I mean, I, I have a desire. We've talked about the love that he has for this church. 
And so I, I genuinely think this is not just this is not just words that he's given them. He, I think this is a genuine problem that he's he's facing. Is I, I'm hard pressed between the two. Man, I, I love you guys, and, and having a desire to part to be with Christ, which is much better, is it not? I mean, Charlie this morning is having a much better Sunday service than he would here, okay? I appreciate the kind words you guys said about my teaching, but Charlie is with God. Are you kidding me? He's in the almighty presence of the Lord, in the, that bright, shining light that's coming out, and he is just singing with the angels. I mean, it's, the guys did a great job this morning in worship too, but it's much better in heaven. I mean, those cherubim just, it just, can you imagine that? And Paul's looking and go, man, I am hard pressed. I mean, to be with Jesus, man, it's much better. I am sure he was like in his mind going, it is much better. Man, I don't have to wake up and ache in the morning and get stoned when I go into a city and, and get beaten and get chained up. And man, I can't even go to the bathroom without this guy next to me. And I just, I can't sleep. The guy's next to me. I mean, just, just, this is terrible. I go to heaven and just be awesome. Just get rid of all this stuff and just have my, my heavenly body and not... Oh. I mean, Ruth on 24, it says, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I know that it's more important that I, that I stay with you, church. I, I know it's more important that, that whatever happens, I, I know what God's going to do. I know I'm going to go before Caesar, and because of this reason, I, I really feel like, man, he's going to let me go. Why? Because I, I know you guys need me. I know the encouragement that it brings to me that, that you get from me coming to see you guys and, and you just being able to, to get charged up and excited. Paul's in back. Paul's back. Are you kidding me? Paul's here. Why to do the furtherance of the gospel? Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And Paul had come to a point in his life that, man, whatever God wanted to do, he was fine with. He was willing to make that, that ultimate commitment to, to, to have um, a desire to serve Jesus in the ultimate way. <laughs> Remind me of a, a story I heard Parrish Reed had tell one time, and um, some of you guys have, may have heard this before. I, I've, I've shared it up here before, and um, it's one of my favorite stories, and it it, whenever I hear it, it just gets me charged up as far as my walk with the Lord and whatever God calls me to do. It says, Two young Moravians heard of an island in the West Indies where an atheist British owner had 2,000 to 3,000 slaves. And the owner had said, No preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. And he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. The 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa brought to an island in the Atlantic and there to live and die without hearing Christ. Several thousand black slaves toiled in the sugar field canes and uh, sugar field, yeah, sugar cane fields under the the burning sun and 3,000 slaves were doomed to live and die without hearing Christ. There's there's an island where they'll, they'll never have an opportunity to hear anything about Jesus Christ. They have an owner who's who set dominion over them, who has set the island to a place where nobody will ever be able to come to. They just they literally will never hear anything about the gospel. The Moravian community of from Herrenhut came to the sea the two lads off. 
I'm sorry, two, two young Germans in their 20s from the Moravian sect heard about their, their plight. They were willing to sell themselves to the British planter for the standard price for a male slave if necessary. So these two young German boys, young men, hear about this. There's two or three thousand people that will never hear it. And the Lord stirs up something within their life where they say, you know what, I'm willing to go and sell myself to this, this owner to be a slave for them, to be locked in on this island for the rest of whatever the life that I shall have. I'm willing to go and give it to the Lord. The Moravian community from Hut came to see the two lads off who, who would never return again, having freely sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery. As a member of the slave community, they would witness as Christians to the love of God. Family members were emotional, weeping. Was their extreme sacrifice wise? Was it necessary? The housings had been cast off and were curled up on the pier, and as the ship slipped away... The tide in the gap widened, and the young men linked arms, raised their hands, and shouted across the spreading gap, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And this became the call of the Moravian missions. This is our only reason for being, that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. Last month we talked about Jesus going to the cross on, on Easter, and or on Good Friday, and Jesus is worthy of your sacrifice to him. Again, the sacrifice that they were willing to give was not to the two or three thousand slaves. Their their sacrifice was to Christ. And and that's what Paul, as you see here in these, these verses here, is that he's saying that, listen, whatever I'm willing to give back to God, I'm just telling you that the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering, his suffering that he did for us, that he was willing to be beaten, that he was willing to go to the cross, that we might be saved. Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don. 